0: Welcome to the Freed Harman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3. I'm your host, Josh Ketchum, coming to you from Freed Harman University, and today I have our missionary in residence, Daniel Gaines, with us. Welcome, Daniel.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, Daniel are you enjoying your freed Harmon experience
1: oh I'm loving it it's it's been tremendous you know just the uh, the co-workers uh, they're pretty great and then uh, just having the opportunity to interact with the students and try to uh, encourage them spiritually and uh, increase the the focus on missions that's been great
0: so tell us the what our audience probably many of them do not know what what is a missionary in residence
1: okay so it's somebody that has uh, come off of the, the mission field has recent experience in missions um, you have to have uh, I think it's five years of, of missions experience to do it and then you come and you spend one year as kind of a, uh, a guest faculty member, teach a few classes be a part of the uh, missions group here on campus try to encourage and promote missions any way that, that you can um, and, and you, know, you teach missions classes you teach some general Bible classes um, it's a tremendous opportunity
0: well you've been great at it and we're so glad to have your influence upon campus and not only just your influence but your family in fact your wife is also teaching right that's right yeah she's uh, had the chance to teach three classes herself yes yeah, so we're glad to have the Gaines family uh, here on campus of Freed hartman with us so tell us what has been your missions experience before we get into our topic today
1: Okay, so um, I've been involved in the work in Tanzania for quite a long time, actually. We spent three years in full-time work there as a as, as full-time missionaries working with the effort that at the time was called uh, TZ2000, now we call it more generically Tanzanian missions, and um, came back and did some pulpit work for a little while, then got back involved after the, the man who had been the... Um, the coordinator and, and director of the work, Cy Stafford, passed away. Then um, after some time, I came back and I was asked to take on the, the role of coordinating that work. So now, for the past few years, we've been splitting our time, spend as much time in Tanzania as I can, but a lot of what has to be done is here in terms of fundraising for the overall work. That it, It's a, a pretty large work. We've got a, a school of preaching there. It has a master's program. Uh, there are um, about 71 different congregations in East Africa that we help in one regard or another, uh, so there's, there's just a, a, lot of, a lot of moving pieces, and so uh, my job is to, to keep track of that. And it's a work that's been going on for a while,
0: and you're continuing that work, uh, which is very good work, and, uh, in East Africa, Tanzania,
1: with the School of
0: Preaching there. What's the name of the School of Preaching?
1: It's the Andrew Connolly School of Preaching, and it's one of the Bear Valley Bible Institute international um, branches. All right. well,
0: well, Daniel, we appreciate your work and your service and, and want churches to know that they're looking for a good missionary, a good missions family, and a good mission work to support that they can reach out to you. Why don't you give your website, and then
1: we'll get into our topic. That would be great. Yeah, you can just go to uh, tanzaniamissions.com, uh, and that'll take you to uh, one of our websites. We've also got a, a blog, and you can get to it from there, but at um, uh, tanzaniamissions.blogspot.com. All
0: right. Well, thank you, Daniel. Today, I appreciate you coming on to talk on our leadership podcast. And the topic that I ask you to consider is what missionaries wish church leaders knew. And so I'm thinking, we'll think first about the different kind of categories of church leaders, what you wish elders knew, what you wish deacons knew, what you wish the the local minister knew. Um, And so we're trying to help the, the local church leadership have a better understanding of missions because in so many contexts, it's often perceived that, when, when it comes to missions, is that they're just always wanting money and they're always having needs. And certainly we understand and respect those needs, but but what what would you want them to know beyond that and well, including that?
1: Yeah, so much of it is about raising those funds to be able to do the work that, that you want to do. Um, but the number one thing that I wish church leaders knew from the perspective of missionaries is the missionaries want – you to care about the work. Um, they, the, the missionary does a lot of sacrificing for the work. They are really heavily personally invested in the work. It's very important to them. Anybody that gets into mission work has done so because they identified a need that they believe to be a, a significant need. And so they're going to uh, change their life in order to go and pursue helping that need. Um, and a lot of times, churches are only loosely actually interested in, in what's going on uh, so it means a lot when, when you come and visit with a congregation that is a supporter of yours that's been a part of the work if they actually have some familiarity with the work you know they've been reading the reports they and where they especially the overseeing congregation you know sometimes some people use the, the term a uh, sponsoring uh, congregation I tend to prefer overseeing because sponsoring can be, Like anybody that gives money feels like a sponsor. But there's one congregation usually that is really taking um, oversight of the work. They're really taking ownership. Especially that congregation, they should send people to that mission field, whatever it is. They need to send leadership people to the mission field. There needs to be elders, at a minimum, a missions deacon, the preacher, somebody, several people. Go and, and be a part of it because... That is going to one that creates accountability, um, and I would be a little suspicious of any missionary that did not want people to come and visit their work. Most of them, I think, do want people to come and visit. Go and see it. You're going to create accountability. You're going to encourage the uh, the missionary. Let him know that he's seen. He's not isolated. We care about what's going on there. We care enough to come and, and visit. And that also helps to create ownership for that congregation in the work that they're investing in. They're going to understand it better. They're going to get a better idea as to other ways that they can uh, help with, with that work. Um, and I, it's just so important. And, and just as being a good steward on behalf of the congregation to actually go and visit it and see what's going on i can't stress how important that is
0: yeah i think sometimes churches may feel that that they're being intrusive mm-hmm. or that they don't trust the missionary by saying hey we want to come visit or you know just picking a date and saying we're going to come visit um this summer we're coming and they, they may feel like that's a little intrusive or offensive to the missionary but what you're saying is it's not at all offensive mm-hmm. if, if they have a heart uh that's right and that's not offensive that's something that they're welcoming they're wanting, and they will really receive that as
1: love rather than offensive yes that's right, and like anything some of it depends on the attitude with which you portray it you know if mm. you could present that to the missionary in a way like we're coming to check up on you yeah. because we don't trust you and, and that might be offensive but as far as as coming to visit to see the work to see what's going on you portray that as as interest and that's going to be well received um, by most missionaries, and like I said, if if a missionary pushed back on that and didn't want you to visit, uh, I might have a little bit of skepticism towards what is going on there and with that missionary.
0: Yes, so so a couple things here that you've noted so far is is first of all show care, mm-hmm. show care to that missionary. No, be informed about what their mission is. You know, so, you know, don't say, so, you know, what's it like in Brazil if they're a missionary to Africa? Right. You know, be informed about what they're talking about. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit, Daniel. So in your experience towards your family, what are some ways that have tangibly showed your family they care about you? So what, what could congregations do for their missionaries to say, hey, we love you, we care. Uh, you're not just a hired hand, mm-hmm. but you're one of
1: ours, and we love you. Well, there are... Um there are things you can do, like sending care packages, sending things like that. Finding out from the missionary what what things are difficult to get in the country where you're at that you miss from home. Mm-hmm. We had several people that were really great about sending things, and it was it was a, just a huge morale boost to the whole family when they would open those care packages and they get those goodies from home. Um, and do do communicate about that and ask. Make sure you're sending things that are difficult for them to to get that would be valued because there's definitely some expense in in sending that. And sometimes there are some things you need to do to um, help that get through whatever types of uh, customs there might be uh, more more smoothly. Um, Another thing is just trying to uh, include them in... You know, uh, holidays, big events back home, things like that, if you're sending uh, thinking about the kids particularly, sending things to the kids to let them know that they're being thought of by their home congregation mm-hmm. uh, back home. You know, even you know, Christmas cards were a big deal to us. They actually were not expensive to send Christmas cards to Tanzania, but we had friends that, that would send them and, and it would be great reminders of, of home. Um, something else that really helps is to support proactively. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of times churches, when they're thinking about missions, wait to be asked. They assume the missionary is going to come and and tell them what they need. They're going to tell them um, that they need more or something or whatever. They're going to ask, and so they're very responsive in what's going on. Uh, When was the last time you... Church leader, listening to this. When was the last time you went to a missionary that you're heavily invested in and asked them, "Do you have an, enough? Do you need more next year? We're reevaluating the budget. Can we? Could you use more next year?" Um, you know, we hear so many times churches are struggling with their their budgets, uh, and one of the first things that's easy to cut is mission work. Because it's it's kind of out of sight. It's over there. It's easier to cut that than it is stuff that is is right there at home. This past year, I had um, a church reach out to me, and the letter started out, you know, we've been reevaluating our budget for next year, and so just you know, reading that, my my heart began to sink a little bit because you get these, uh, you're 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 expecting we're going to have to cut back. But they said, we've re, re-, re- our budget for next year, and we want to let you know that we're going to be increasing our monthly support X amount. And that was the first time I'd ever had anybody increase without being asked. Yeah. They just said, you know, we understand expenses are, are rising. You can probably use this. And honestly, my eyes teared up. It was, it was really touching to me to know that they were not thinking about how little they could do, but they believed in what was being done enough to where they were looking to invest more in it. Does that make sense? Yes. And that really makes you feel valued and makes, the work, makes you, you feel like your work is, is valued. Yeah,
0: I can see that very much. I think so many times congregations and, and church leaders think, all right, we've got extra or our budget is increasing, so let's think what else can we do. Yeah. And certainly there's value in that. But what we're saying is maybe you need to look back and say, we've been given $300 a month, something to this work for the last 10 years you think about what $300 was worth when we started 10 years ago and what $300 is worth now, 10 years later. Yeah. And maybe we need to go back and, and invest in that work that we've put so much in and increase that and what encouragement that's going to be to the missionary and what help that's going to be. I, I think there's often a philosophy and I'm not saying that there's not some truth to this, but there's just this philosophy that, well, the missionary can get support from all these churches mm-hmm. and he, if he needs more money, he just goes and asks. But you know, from a missionary perspective, uh,
1: how does that hit you? Well, you know, monthly support is, is difficult to raise. Th- those one-time contributions are a lot easier uh, because there's no commitment involved and there's little relationship involved. You appreciate them. They're, they're useful to get those one-time contributions, those lump sums. But you, you really appreciate uh, those ongoing things that you can count on, you can budget on, and they create um, that longer-term uh, stability. So when people are, are thinking that way, uh, it's, it's, it's very helpful to you. Um, and and you're, you're talking about uh, people going back and increasing what they're, what they're doing, uh, just assuming, you know, hey, that missionary he can do something else. A lot of missionaries, because of the difficulty in raising money, they're likely to, to do without they're likely to have less than they need, and so that's something that that uh, churches need to, to be thinking about. And the missionary is already sacrificing a lot in going to the mission field. Typically, they're leaving behind a lot of family, a lot of friends, leaving behind their culture, their homeland, all that sort of thing. Uh, it's not essential that they take a vow of poverty also, mm-hmm. but... It, you know, it, uh, labor is worthy of his hire. They ought to make a, a fair wage for for what they're doing and be able to uh, support their family. Do they have uh, Do they have insurance? Do they have uh, retirement planning? Do they have other benefits that, that you would think about? And a lot of times they don't because they're having to raise that money and they have to go they have to go begging every time they see that they need uh, a little bit more. And so. You know, you give your your local minister a cost-of-living adjustment every year. You should. I hope church leaders are are considering those types of things and on a regular basis increasing their their local minister's pay. Nobody's doing that for the missionary, uh, typically. Well, I don't want to speak for everybody. Nobody did that for us. (laughs) Uh, So if if we decided we need a cost-of-living adjustment, then we have to go back out. And then you're trying to present congregations with the idea of, Hey, you know, come on and support the work because we need a raise. And that's, that can be a hard sell.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and also that's taken away from the work. Exactly. So if they're, if they're, you know, they're contributing this much to the work, when they could contribute more and provide that help instead of you having to go out and raise it, then more work gets done. And so I think that, I think the congregations need to consider and re examine and look at. And I know there's all different philosophies and certainly none of them are. Uh, the gospel allows us freedom in choosing how we support missions, mm-hmm. but we often have this shotgun philosophy of we're just going to spread out our missions a, lo- a little in a lot of different pots. And I and I think there's often value, and you can, you feel free to disagree or to comment on this. I think there's often value in church leaders having more in fewer pots, fewer workers, I should say, instead of pots. In other words, instead of supporting you know, ten missionaries at a hundred dollars a piece. Let's support five missionaries at you know two hundred dollars a piece, and and uh, per month. You know, in mm-hmm. other words, then we can be more involved in those works, and maybe even less than that. Maybe even two or three missionaries is always support at a much higher level. We can be, we can know them, we can care for them, we can visit them, we can oversee them, we can then uh, give them raises, and we 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 take on that missionary just yeah. like we do local. It, is that a philosophical change that you're seeing in congregations, or is that is still kind of the uh, shotgun approach still what most congregations are doing?
1: And what's your thoughts on that? I, I think that is absolutely the way I would go if I were in local church leadership. Um, that's such a such a good idea. I would put, you know, eighty percent of the church mission budget into just a couple of works. Have a little bit left over for the the smaller. Um, contributions here and there that that arise, but to really heavily invest in just a couple of works because then, like you said, you create that ownership. You get to really know that work intimately. Um, you know, a lot of churches kind of that that old school idea. You, you like to put up the the world map in the foyer somewhere and and put lots of pins in the map to show all the different places where you're having an impact and. That, that's, that's fun to put up there. It's fun to look at. And there is value in that. I'm not devaluing that at all. Um, but I am saying that you're able to have more accountability. You're able to um, maybe do more ultimate good when you're more heavily invested in, in fewer things. Um, then you can go and visit those works. You know, you're heavily invested in two or three works. It's reasonable to go and visit each of those works. You're lightly invested in 20 works, probably you're never going to go lay eyes on those things. Um, and as we've talked about, so much of, of this is creating, um, creating relationship with the, the, the work and relationships with the missionary, and that's a much more positive thing. Um, for both what you get out of it as as a overseeing congregation, as a sponsoring congregation, as you, what you're getting for your money in return, you're you're if you're heavily invested in those few things, you're going to gain that type of relationship. You're going to you're going to be more interested in reading those reports, you know, because you're just looking at a few versus looking at um, dozens of them. You're going to you know share those things with the congregation. Put. Feature those things on, on your bulletin board. Feature them in your bulletin. Um, help the congregation to feel like this is what we're doing in Tanzania or wherever the mission field is, you know, Paraguay or you know, whatever. This is what we're doing, and we're a part of it, not all we do is, is write a, a little check each month, and we really don't know what's going on. We, we're, we're not praying about it. We're not you know, really interested in it, but we're checking the box that you know, we've, we've part of our budget's going to mission work.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a real philosophical change that a lot of congregations need to need to consider. And and it, you don't bring that about in one um, one budget cycle, one year, because then that means you just cut all these off. But I think right. in in a you know four to five year vision here, you need to be thinking about how do we need to consolidate, mm-hmm. how do we need to. Uh, you know, say goodbye, to close out some missions, and what do we want to do in terms of some focus, vision for our congregation in the area of missions? And I think, you know, and that can be a comprehensive approach about visiting them, Mm -hmm. having your people go visit them, uh, knowing your missionary, uh, providing for that missionary financially uh, overseeing them spiritually, caring for them, shepherding for them. So there's a lot of components that can go into that. But in other words, you're taking more ownership instead of just writing a check, you know, to 10 different works. Right. And spreading that out. So so while it's almost like we ha- take a, a stock approach, you know, well, I'm just going to buy 10 or 15 different stocks or 10 or 15 different mutual funds is, is how, you know, financial planner talks about you want to divide out your mutual funds for your retirement, you know, don't put it all in one basket, and I think we often take that approach to missions, but the problem is we're, de- we're dealing with people here, mm-hmm. and this isn't just about money, and so I think we need to think about our f- philosophy in doing that, and I appreciate your thoughts on it.
1: And you brought up a, a topic there in, in your comments about how to phase out a work, mm-hmm. and I think that's worth considering as well. Uh, please, church leader, don't ever just drop a work cold turkey without warning, and preferably more than just uh, a month or two's warning. You know, let them know several months out that this is what... Or if you're if, if you're thinking about phasing down into this type of approach, you could even let a work know we're going to be phasing you down a couple of years ahead of time, and we're going to be cutting down $100 this year, $100, you know, whatever, so that they can plan to replace those funds so they have time to try to raise money because it, it takes time to raise money and it's difficult to raise those those monthly funds so uh don't put those other those works in a in a bind by just suddenly dropping them
0: be transparent yeah in other words you can start out that from the beginning you know we, we have a five-year agreement we have a six-year agreement whatever that is that we're going to support you at x amount of dollars for five years mm-hmm. and and then it, you know when you get year four there you need to make sure you're coming having a conversation with your missionary right? and we talked about this and, and hopefully even it's not a cold turkey drop even at that if, you, if it's been a good five years you need to phase that out mm-hmm. but I think what you're what you're suggesting is very valid and good of, of decreasing those funds over time if you do want to consolidate into you know several a couple of focused missions that you're really involved in then you need to uh, phase out those works over time. And give plenty, plenty of opportunity for them to raise those supports. So, de- decreasing them incrementally, I think is important, uh, because you want that missionary to be valued as a soul. Mm-hmm. You care about him, and and he's he's sacrificing. And so, the idea of just sending missionaries letters in December, or, you know, and saying, you know, we we'll won't let you know that we're not supporting you next year, is, is very harsh. I mean, how would we like to get a letter from our employer? In December, saying, oh, "By the way, you know, next year we're not going to pay you mm-hmm. uh, your your funds. You're you're counting on that."
1: Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, be be considerate of each other. Yeah. And it's just a Christian thing to do. All
0: right, so Daniel, we um, so I want to kind of review. We've talked about church leaders can really know the missionary, care about the missionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can go visit and help help show love and care through visiting. And this visiting doesn't have to be necessarily to work. You're just saying go spend time with them, see the work, and, and spend some, it doesn't have to be a long campaign. Just go be with them. Um, know about the work, uh, take ownership in it, uh, take ownership in, in the mission work, uh, to treat them fair financially, and to consider raises, consider challenges they have when the dollar changes, the value, uh, consider you know increasing that, uh, consider giving special gifts uh, financially and other type ways, you missing mentioned Christmas cards, as we kind of close out, what, what else would you say of, of what you wish church leaders knew
1: uh, for missionaries? Um, you can also consider how their life and culture is is changing where they're working. What I mean by that is their life moves at a different pace in much of the rest of the world than, than it does here. And so as you think about your expectations of the missionary, understand as much as you can the culture that that they're living in. Um, And things may not happen as quickly and as immediately everywhere as you expect things to happen right here. Just thinking in terms of even uh, responding to uh, emails and and that kind of thing. Here, really, if somebody hasn't responded to your email within an hour, you're, you're a little, you know, what? What are they doing? What's going on? You've
0: been on Freed Harman's campus now, Daniel. This place runs on email, right?
1: Yes, that's right. (laughs) It it does. It's like
0: you send out an email, you expect it back quickly. Quickly. Yes. We we promise our students within 24 hours, but they really expect it soon. They'll send you an email five minutes before class wanting to know something.
1: Yeah. That's very true. Um, But if you're talking about a huge time difference, somebody's across the globe from you, um, they you know, it may be nighttime time there. Their schedule may be very different. Their Internet accessibility, you know, sometimes our Internet would go off for days at a time or power would go off for days at a time. Uh, so you just have to be understanding of, of those types of delays that happen and kind of just understand that they're not in America and there are some things that, that are different. But communicate. Don't make assumptions. Communicate. Listen. And, and like with any relationship, communication is key, Right. And I would say that would be true when they're coming to give reports and they're
0: coming uh, to visit on furlough to make that stay as comfortable as possible for yeah. them and you know, show that care, provide things for them, try to provide a hotel room, provide a, a place for them to stay that accommodates their whole family, and and be very uh, clear in your communication about you know when they're coming, when they're leaving, things like that. And so I think that c- can be very helpful. Just communicate.
1: Right. And there are... Uh I have had the opportunity to visit with a, a lot of, of congregations, and some of the congregations, when you come and, and present, will kind of help with your expenses. They'll, they'll give you a little something for, um, for filling the pulpit that Sunday. They'll kind of help with the hotel or whatever, and there are some that don't at all. They just consider that a part of of what you're doing you know fundraising or maybe you know, we have have given money to you over the the year so this is is what you're doing uh, for us um, but if you don't pay for those things then that's probably going to be coming out of their the work fund so that's just cutting into the 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 work that is is being done um, so yeah I look to, to take care of them I look to Create relationships. You yeah. know, spend that that time with them, getting to know them, uh, getting to know who they are, valuing them as as a person, and valuing and finding that that balance. I really felt like our overseeing congregation really did care about us, and they they were invested in our family as people. I honestly didn't feel like they cared that much about the work, mm-hmm. but I've known other missionaries that had just the opposite experience they their overseers were really concerned about the uh, the mission point didn't care as much about the missionary family and so i don't know you don't want to err to either side yeah find that balance and mm-hmm. you know your, your thoughts there made me
0: think of something else is be careful as a church leader as comparing one work to another yeah you know we we can tend to say well this work had 50 baptisms this year and this work they only had two. Well, what you were saying is you got to think about the culture. Mm-hmm. You got to think about where the stage of the work is. Uh, you mentioned that your work is involved with seventy-one congregations. Right. And so, what stage of work is that in? Is it there? Obviously, you're still doing some church planting, but you're going to have a lot of baptisms across seventy-one churches. Yeah. But you also, so that's going to be very different than a missionary who's going to plant one congregation in Brazil versus what you're doing in Africa. Right. Or someone who's going to a difficult field like Scotland or England or something, uh, much more challenged there in terms of receptivity. So, so don't compare uh, in a harsh way. Understand the culture, understand the mission field, and then try to encourage that missionary in that work. Um, Daniel, you, you've shared some good things with us, and we appreciate our listeners uh, listening to the podcast. And uh, Daniel, I want to ask: Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share as we kind of bring this? Topic to a close.
1: Well, I just I appreciate you bringing a focus, uh, a spotlight to missions. I think that missions is one of the most important things that a congregation can do, and a lot of times it winds up being kind of put on the the back burner. Um, you know, even when you go to a lot of uh, brotherhood uh, special events where they do have missions things, it's kind of, it's almost like the the mission stuff is kind of in the back room. That it's not really spotlighted very much. It's um, there's not. As much interest in that as there is uh, other things. But missions are are of vital, vital importance for the the future of of the church, and we're talking about world evangelism, and it can't be done to the exclusion of the local work. The local work has to happen, or else that church is going to become too weak to support world evangelism, but also... um, you can't completely focus on the local work and not have a kingdom mindset and think, well, as long as the local church is doing okay, the rest of the world this is kind of everybody else's problem. It, they go hand in hand in, in, in balance.
0: Yeah, I, we're both teaching Acts now, and you know when you come to Acts 13, uh, Paul and Barnabas there were sent out on the first missionary journey, and one of the things they'd spent um, you know, a significant amount of months and time there with the church at Antioch where the disciples were first called Christians. Mm-hmm. And One of the things I always say to my class uh and along this concept is, do you think they wanted to keep Paul as the preacher at Antioch? I mean, think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul was an incredible preacher, right. and Barnabas was an incredible involvement, you know, education associate minister, and encourager. And you, you, those are the best, right? Right. And we tend to think, let's keep our best in our local congregations. You know what they did? They said, let's send our best out on the mission field.
1: Oh man, that 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 hits home because um, I. I remember a story. I won't use any any names involved, but um, was relayed to me. This didn't happen to me directly, but uh, a brother was considering going to the mission field, and he, you know, he and his family were very seriously thinking about it. But somebody gave him the advice, "Brother, you're you're on the the A list. You're on the the circuit here in America. The the lectureships, the special events. The we, we send our our." B-list guys to the mission field. You want to stay here. And I don't know what role that played in his, his thinking. He ultimately didn't go. But just that idea that anybody would even voice that type of thought, that the the lesser guys are going to the mission field. You know, I, yeah. I really would push back on that. Yeah.
0: We don't need to have that concept. I mean, that doesn't need to be the concept in any mm-hmm. way. We don't need to think one's better than the other. Right. We are all should be focused on world evangelism, local and abroad, yeah. and there doesn't need to be this competition. And I think, you know, for church leaders, there doesn't need to be a competition budget-wise. You certainly have to make some decisions along those lines, but what I'm saying is this is something that we need to see as a crucial part of God's expectations for His church, mm-hmm. is to be involved in evangelism, and both locally and abroad, and that if you get both of them going, they really feed off of each other, right. and they really complement one another. And encourage one another, but if you if you have only one going, uh, then it can also often be a misunderstanding or competition mm-hmm. and and harm the church. And so we, God wants us to be involved in both.
1: Yeah, I've got a, a friend who's fond of saying that uh, there's no competition between lighthouses. Yeah, and that's kind of what you know, the, the church is. And I want to encourage people, anybody listening to this leadership, please be kingdom minded in your focus and not not competitive with other uh, congregations not competitive with other uh, church leaders uh, mission points evangelism points whatever but with with all the decisions you make with your local congregation still keep in mind the good of the overall uh, kingdom and, and don't do things that would would hurt others others in order to promote your own congregation does that make sense yeah very much so
0: well, Daniel, we really appreciate you being here with us at Freed Harmon as missionary in residents, and the influence you're having upon students, and we appreciate the time you spent with us on the FHU Leadership Podcast. Let me encourage our listeners to rate our podcast. Uh, our hope and aim is to release podcasts podcast every two weeks on Wednesday, and so this has um, been good uh, to, to have Daniel here with us today, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Harman Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.